In this episode of the Bruce Parrish Story, my grandfather moves his family down from Illinois to Mississippi College. He does some supply preaching as a college student, and he gets help from the director of missions there in Mississippi. Cars, U-Hauls, and eventually motorcycles play significant roles in Bruce's story. During those early years of uncertainty, Bruce got support from his father and in-laws, sometimes financially and occasionally in the form of affordable transportation. I'd like to add to that picture with my own experience of how Bruce paid forward that kind of support. During and after my college years, I drove a gold Honda Prelude that had previously belonged to my grandmother Linda. Many years later, when I became a father and needed room for the baby's car seat, I sold my S10 pickup and Bruce accepted that very meager payment in exchange for their Toyota Avalon. In a life of service, with a calling to the ministry, cars may seem trivial by comparison. And yet, a car, when you need one, can mean a lot. Road trips, commutes, opportunities, and unspoken personal debts. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Bruce Parrish story. September of 1967, I was on my way to Mississippi College. So I drove on down to Clinton, found the apartment that had been assigned to us, and I looked around for some fellow students to help move our belongings in. One difficult piece was uh, a couch that made it into a hide-a-bed that was extra heavy, and the uh, apartment that we had been assigned was on sort of a, a higher level, steps up, and uh, you really couldn't um, carry it between uh, the wall and the banister. We had to lift it over the banister and uh, turn it sideways to get it into the apartment. But I finally got the apartment furniture placed in it and then went to the airport to meet um, Linda and the kids. It was a challenge uh, in getting adapted to school at 30 years of age with a wife and two kids, having had uh, a pretty poor academic background. I knew that it was going to be real challenging. I had difficulty. At first, with the schedule, the regimentation, uh, I did not do well in Bible, Old Testament, the names I struggled to pronounce, uh, the rivers, the towns, the cities in, in the Old Testament, but uh, I uh, just tried to study as hard as I could. We had been fortunate in that uh, when we sold our home and uh, Rockford, although we'd only been in it one year, we were able to walk away with $6,000 profit that we put in the bank, and it was sort of a, a nest egg as we, for our living expense. And um, I began to inquire some of the professors in the Bible department about preaching opportunities. 
And so uh, there were some, being an older student with a family, I think they were sort of sympathetic with me. So that first year uh, at college, I was able to supply in 35 different churches across central Mississippi. We would leave in the morning and have to follow instructions as to how to get to the church. And sometimes that was difficult. A lot of these were small rural churches. And um, we would get back late on Sunday night. Oftentimes the the kids, uh, we would go to a home uh, after church and they would feed us. And then we would go back to the to the church and, and uh, put the kids down for a nap and uh, be there for the evening service. Compensation was like $25 for the day or $40 or $50 was really uh, a good compensation for the long drive oftentimes uh, to spend a day to come back. But I was blessed by having those opportunities. It wasn't very long till we realized the little Valiant that we had um, was not the best car to travel with the kids, especially as they would try to fall asleep in the evenings coming back home. So we took some of our money and bought a new 1968 Chevrolet Impala station wagon. So uh, that was a nice car to travel in, and it it was a nine-passenger, and so Mike and Denise would each have a seat that they could stretch out and sleep on as we came back home on Sunday nights. In um, October of 1968, um, the place that I went to supply was Damascus Baptist Church, and they uh, asked me back for the next Sunday, and for several Sundays after uh, couple of months, they wanted to extend a call to me to uh, be their permanent pastor. I didn't feel that uh, I was qualified to do that. I um, kept preaching, though, and finally came to feel that, that God was in this, that although I hadn't, wasn't very well prepared, I should accept this offer that was made to me. And so the church voted in January 1969 to extend a call to me as pastor of the Damascus Baptist Church. We came down on weekends. They put in a bed and a few furnishings for us to stay there in the parsonage on the weekends because the kids were in school and I was in school. So we really did move down to the church field until uh, May the 23rd on a Friday. Uh, we moved to Hazelhurst there in a little parsonage next door to the church. And uh, it was sort of a, a, a difficult experience. Uh, they had moved us in a cattle trailer, and they had not been real careful about getting the manure off of the sides of the cattle trailer. And so as they were taking our furniture out of the cattle trailer, bring it into the house, um, Linda was a little bit uh, disturbed about the condition of our furniture, having made that trip from Clinton, Mississippi, down there to Hazelhurst uh, in the cattle trailer. But we found the people very easy to love and were patient with a young preacher boy that hadn't had much experience. I had never baptized anybody. I had never done the Lord's Supper. So there was a lot of learning that I had to do there. 
as uh, in addition to my school work. A great help to me was the director of missions in that area. His name was Brother Eugene Roberts, and so many times I would call him or go to his office and ask for help and assistance, and he was very encouraging. He guided me and gave me a lot of a lot of help as I was trying to learn how to be a young pastor. The the schoolwork continued to be challenging, but if I spent enough time and memorized as best I could, um, I could pass the test. However, uh, oftentimes the material did not stay with me uh, for great lengths of time. I did various things. Um, I cut the grass in the apartment complex area for a little money wherever I could find an opportunity to work to make some money for living expense while I was living in the apartment in those those early days. In 1969, there was a great effort to send pastors to the Northwest to lead in revival, the movement called the Crusade of the Americas. And so in July of 1969, I was assigned a, a church point, a preaching point in Glasgow, Montana. So uh, the church took up a love offering to help provide expenses for me to make that trip. They gave us some watermelons that we put in the back of our station wagon down in the feet area for the third row of seats. and. We took Denise and, and Mike up to my parents in Jackson, Tennessee, which it was sort of on the, the route in the direction of Montana. So we headed on out to Montana in uh, July of 1969. It was about a 5,000 mile trip. And uh, it was on that trip that uh, Linda discovered that she was pregnant with uh, Kimberly. We were not uh, expecting any more children. We had a girl and a boy, so we thought we had one of everything that uh, we could have, so we were content with that. But, but this new miracle God was putting into our life uh, with a third child. We continued to serve the little church. And when um, Kim was born there in the Baptist Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, because of cost of insurance, I had just maintained the uh, major medical. So in the fine print, uh, pregnancy is not considered a major medical issue. So all of the cost of having a baby was to be uh, paid for. So uh, as I struggled with trying to do that, uh, my parents sent us $900, which was, I think, the balance at that point after I had made some smaller payments uh, at the hospital. Kim uh, had a blood issue, uh, what was called RH blood factor, and had to have major transfusion before we brought her home from the hospital. Linda's mom had come from Chicago to help Linda with the baby, uh, since we still had two children to care for, as well as then the third baby, third child that was born to us.
I had been licensed by the First Baptist Church of Clinton. So the natural process was for Damascus Baptist Church to request my ordination by the First Baptist Church of Clinton. And so that uh, process was, was arranged for in August of 1969. I was ordained in a special service there at the First Baptist Church of Clinton. One of the participants in my ordination service was my friend Angelo Martino. So uh, we have been friends through the years, and uh, Angelo was one of those who signed on my ordination documents. Linda's dad was concerned about her being stuck at the house without any transportation because when I would be off at school, usually I would try to go two or three days a week to school. Was not able to take a full load, but taking a part load. He was decided that as he was getting a, another vehicle that he would give to us, a Chrysler that uh, they had had for a number of years. It was four-door. Um, it was um, still in run, good running condition. And so that gave us uh, a second vehicle to have for Linda to be able to run errands or go shopping or do whatever she needed to do with, with the kids. Um, Mike and Denise were enrolled there in the school in Hazelhurst, which was really the beginning of the integration of schools in Mississippi. And so they were in a minority of the classes um, in the, the public school. Most of the people in our church uh, had chose to send their kids to private schools that developed then that would keep children from having to be in the integrated school. So they both had some challenges uh, in that setting uh, in the school. Denise had gone to kindergarten and, um, and to first grade, I believe, in Clinton before we moved down to Hazelhurst. And um, I remember an incident there where they were out playing and Denise got to, her knee caught in the fork of a tree, and we went, uh, Michael came and got me, and we went to try to get her out of that uh, uh, fork in the tree, and her knee was, had maybe become swollen a little bit from trying to get it out, so uh, we didn't see any way that her knee was going to come out of that, and one of the other students uh, lived in the apartments, uh, had a saw, so he went and got the saw, and sawed the limb that was the part of the fork that uh, uh, Denise was able to get her knee out of that tree being caught there in the uh, area of the apartment complex where we're living. Um, Denise and, and Mike had some unique experiences, I think, um, playing there around the church. Uh, I had an office and would oftentimes study in the church and they would come and they would play and play church. And we had a cemetery next door. Uh, they would spend time in the cemetery. Uh, we built them a tree house and so they would be up in that tree house and there was a wooded area. It was pretty, uh, weren't houses too close to where we were. So they would, uh, they would go out and, and spend time. There was a little spring some uh, ways away from the, the uh, treehouse, and so I think they enjoyed uh, 
the experience of playing in the woods and having that that experience. Uh, then it came in the saying that uh, Michael had killed a snake, and so we, we didn't quite think that was the case, but we went down to check, and there, not too far from the treehouse, had been a little rattlesnake, and, and Michael had taken a hammer, and he had gone to work on that snake and had killed that little rattlesnake there that was not too far from the treehouse where they had played um, Linda's dad was always trying to get me to have a garden because it, uh, he enjoyed that so much. And there behind the parsonage in Damascus church field uh, in the spring, uh, he came and broke up an area with a shovel and planted some tomato vines and green beans and, and some corn and other things. But, uh, I was never uh, as faithful as I should be as a farmer to uh, keep what Grandpa did in those gardens, help them to be successful. Uh, but I learned an important lesson in that garden because I remember uh, that as the spring developed and summer came, that part of the garden was shaded. And so part of the plants on the row was, was shaded and so it did not get the sunlight and so you could see the contrast in the plants and the production of vegetables out of those plants where those uh, vines and, and uh, vegetable plants did not get the proper sun and so the message of how important light is even to the growth of vegetables how important light is in our life the light of knowledge, the light of, of uh, information that helps us to make, make better decisions. But uh, one of the other classes that uh, was sort of important to me was uh, a radio and TV class that was offered. And so uh, I had chosen Bible as my major and my minor was English. And in the English department, uh, one of the courses was uh, radio and TV courses. And so I took those, not fully knowing how that might be of benefit, but used for me in the ministry or uh, in the work, but uh, seeing potential of what was happening in the world in regards to that. And we had a, a radio station there at the college. And part of our training was we would spend so many hours uh, emceeing at, uh, at the radio station. So we would go and um, have a period of time, several hours, and we would read the news and we would play songs, introduce the songs. And so for one year, I had that experience of uh, uh, gaining some information that ultimately would be a benefit to me uh, in future years. But um, uh, it, it was something that I enjoyed and was was very very beneficial. In uh, an area where a lot of people have vegetable gardens, one of the things that uh, would happen is that church members would stop by and share some of the food stuff out of their gardens: so tomatoes, and, uh, beans, and okra, and um, we also found there an outlet where uh, food coming from a, 
a, a cannery didn't have any labels on it. And so you would you would buy the can, not knowing what it was going to be, but generally it was a vegetable. But uh, so that was sort of uh, an interesting experience, buying some cans with no label on it and opening them. And uh, you learn to cut corners with limited uh, funds. By that time, all of our reserve funds had been used up. And um, we were just going by what the church paid us and what uh, people would give us out of their, their gardens. Um, one of the things on living on the church field, you have a lot of people stop by, uh, members of the church, uh, don't think much of uh, any kind of advance warning announcement. So you had to have your house uh, in such an order that any time you might have, have visitors. And uh, there were those uh, new experiences of of counseling for a wedding. I remember a um, couple in the church came and wanted me to form a marriage. Um, Frank had been previously married, uh, but Daphne, his uh, bride-to-be, had not been. So I was uh, struggling with this issue as to whether to marry someone who had been formally married. Um, and uh, at that point, I think I had sort of settled down. To, uh, I would marry uh, the innocent party of the divorce. And so in counseling with Frank and Daphne, uh, I learned out that, that Frank's first wife had left and left him and moved in with another man. Uh, so I thought he was in a party in this divorce. And so I performed the marriage. And then about six months, Daphne is coming back crying about the treatment that Frank is is uh, giving her. And so I learned right quick that uh, Frank was not in an innocent party in the divorce that he had from his first wife. But um, visiting people in the church, on the church field and I remember there was a Miss Johnson that I visited in a nursing home. She was in her 80s. And um, she was struggling with health issues. And she said, uh, Brother Parrish, why is it that God is leaving me here? Why didn't he call me on home? My husband is dead and my son is dead and I'm all alone. Uh, why does God leave me here? So that... Um, triggered a question that uh, has never been answered in my mind as to why God leaves behind those that he leaves. And the only feeling that you often have is that there must be a purpose in that. There's something yet there to help others, there to be an encouragement to others. They are to somehow benefit their family or a fellow man. But um, I had lots of questions raised to me that I didn't have a quick answer for. Uh, one of the special events in their church were homecomings. And I would always get nervous at a homecoming as to whether we were going to have food or not. I had been to a few events where you run out of food and you've got people standing around who didn't get anything to eat. So I thought... Uh, with advanced preparation and urging that I could be sure that we had enough food 
for everybody who might come. But um, in that experience there, Damascus, those events uh, found that uh, we always had food left over. Uh, my worry was, was uh, in vain because uh, they would uh, have enough to serve the people who came. Um, another new experience we had at Mississippi is uh, a church peanut boil. They would uh, get raw peanuts and put them in a big vat, and they would boil these peanuts. And, uh, then afterwards, uh, they would dip them out, and it was an altogether different experience than eating raw peanuts that we were accustomed to. So I don't think Linda and I ever got around to having an appreciation for boiled peanuts. One of the special services before we left uh, Hazelhurst was uh, we had a, a teacher in our church that was a, a, wit a, uh, a never married um, old maid. Her name was Miss Fanny Lee Renfro, and um, she was coming up on her 90th birthday in March, where we left in June. And so Linda had worked to put together a program to surprise Miss Fanny. So she came that Sunday, not knowing that um, it was going to be a special day for her. So we had people scheduled to come, and we had a special guest, and we had her sitting on the, the platform and uh, had uh, various people talk about her teaching them and what they learned from it and her life. So it was real a real tribute to Miss Fanny. And uh, the church seemingly appreciated all the work that Linda put into that uh, recognition that was given to Miss Fanny on that Sunday in March of 1971. Uh, as time came to graduate and I realized I needed seminary, one of the things that I had recognized from the beginning was I did not have the tools or was not equipped to be whatever God was calling me to do in the, in the ministry. And so I knew that seminary was the next step as I graduated in, in May of 1971 from Mississippi College. And we had visited... Uh, New Orleans Seminary had visited Southwestern in Fort Worth, Texas, and felt like God was leading us there to Fort Worth. And so uh, I made application, uh, was uh, accepted to Fort Worth. And so again, we made preparation to remove. I got a U-Haul truck and we uh, loaded our belongings into it. Denise uh, drove the station wagon, the, the newer car, and attached uh, the Chrysler, the car that we'd gotten from Linda's parents, onto the back uh, of the U-Haul truck. And Michael and I climbed up into the cab and began to drive from Hazelhurst, Mississippi, uh, to Fort Worth, Texas. Linda came behind in the uh, station wagon with Denise and Kimberly as we traveled on to the next stage, significant stage in our life, as we sought to follow what we felt to be God's will for our lives. <laughs> 